Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike, and uh, today it's just me. It's been a good week so far. I appreciate everybody tuning in and going to plug my usual, usual shtick here and tell you to go get vaccinated. I think it's important and we're seeing a lot of people go do it. But if you're listening to this and you haven't yet, go get it done. I got mine just a prick. Didn't feel uh, anything more than a pinch. And you know, I had a little bit of symptoms the day after, but it was pretty, pretty painless. So go get it done. That being said, our guest today is Lindsay Smith, and she is the chief operating officer at the Wellington School. She's been working in schools for her entire life, but she also spent some time as a CrossFit Games competitor, and she even placed at the CrossFit Games once or twice. So she's just a really, really impressive person and a lot of fun to talk with. I am confident you're going to enjoy this episode and learn a lot. Appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll be right back. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I'm bored. I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something. We're explorers, and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places where people haven't before. Urban Meyer. There's one guarantee in this world, and that's hard work will be rewarded. And hard work, you have to embrace discomfort. I love how you said that. Live uncomfortably. Donato's Jane Abel. We have a umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community. And I believe in our products, but more importantly, I believe in our people. Pelotonia CEO, Doug Oldman. There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in Columbus. And that's awesome. At the same time, there's this beautiful Midwest humility. People don't necessarily care about who gets credit. Cameron Mitchell of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. One of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today. And that goal stays the same 24 Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike, and today we've got everybody in the booth. Tim and Josh, how you guys doing? Good, dude. How are you? Good, man. Good. It's been uh, a wild couple weeks at the day job, but uh, the beginning of the year is usually a little bit uh, crazy. The snow got you missed in San Diego? Uh <laughs> Is somehow, that where you're from? Is that where you're from? Somehow we're going to find a way to bring that up every <laughs> podcast from now on. I'm going to start just getting it sooner and sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, no. It's, it's going to get built into the intro. Yeah. Hey, hey there, San Diego. <laughs> San Diego. Hey there, San Diego. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that we're done making fun of me, uh, maybe we should introduce our guest for the day. So uh, joining us on the show is Lindsay Smith, and she's the COO at the Wellington School. And the Wellington School is a private pre-K through 12 co-educational college preparatory school located in Upper Arlington. And uh, prior to taking on the COO role, Lindsay served as the athletic director for the Wellington School. She's also been an L1 advisory board member for CrossFit Inc. and was even a competitor at the CrossFit Games in 2012. So really excited to talk to Lindsay about her story, everything she's done and what the Wellington, Wellington School excuse me, has going on today. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Lindsay. Thank you. It's an honor and I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And, uh, you know, one of the first places we like to start typically is just kind of a little bit of background on early career, things you did before this and, and what got you into the educational track in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think probably similar to a lot of people, when I start to think about where I am now, I start to look back on where I was and where I was 10 years ago, where I was 20 years ago. Um, and I think for me, a big piece of that and, and a piece of being in athletics, um, actually, I went to DePaul University in Chicago and I was actually a communications major. 
And my sports performance coach came to me one day. He's like, what are you doing? Like, you are obsessed with sports. <laughs> and so that was kind of a light bulb moment for me. And, and you were a three-sport athlete, right, as well? I was. I actually went to DePaul on a soccer scholarship, and that was my plan to play soccer. And then uh, the women's basketball team actually went down with several injuries. And so I went to the coach and said, hey, I played in high school. And it was kind of a uh, I didn't feel like I had a lot of closure. I had tore my ACL in the first minute of the first game of my senior year. Um, my team went on to play for a state championship. So that whole season, I just felt like I'd missed out on, you know, I'd played since I was first grade and I'd kind of missed out on this, this opportunity. And so uh, the, the basketball coach was like, well, if it's okay with your soccer coach, you can start practicing with us. No expectations to play. And then they asked me if I would be a walk-on. And so I did that in soccer for a while. And then when my eligibility in those two sports had expired, I decided to join the track team. So I did play three sports. It wasn't always three, you know, three for four years. And then I came back as a fifth year and, and run track as well. So yeah, it was kind of an interesting and unique journey. But I do think that that was a pivotal moment for me when, I, when my sports performance coach brought to my attention just how obsessed and how much I just love sports in general and how I was using that to impact others' lives, how much others had impacted my life through those means. And so I think for me, that was really a pivotal moment in knowing and understanding that whatever my next step was, it probably was going to involve sports in some way. So you finish up undergrad and you're obviously super passionate about sports and you're trying to figure out where do you go next. When your last day of college runs out, what do you do and, and where are you exploring and where do you end up? Yeah. So actually I ended up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I was playing at the time, the current women's professional soccer league had folded um, and then it came back. So in this kind of interim period, all the top players in the country were playing in what's called the W League. And so I was playing for a team in Charlotte, North Carolina, and kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, part of me wanted to go overseas and continue to play soccer, but part of me also was like ready to, to begin my career in some way. And so that's actually where I first got my foot in the door at an independent school. And it was Charlotte Latin. And I coached JV boys soccer. And then actually at a Christian school in Charlotte, Charlotte Christian, I was a substitute teacher. So that was kind of the beginning of like, okay, I can see what a career in this realm might look like. And Steph Curry went to Charlotte Christian. That's kind of like the, the claim to fame for Charlotte Christian. I'm getting some head nods, so maybe you guys are aware of that. Wasn't aware, but yeah, I mean, that, I could see why that would be a claim to fame. Uh, Steph Curry, I guess he's he's all right at basketball. He does pretty well. Yeah, he did <laughs> from time to time. As a Cavs fan, there's you just that you you hate him, but you respect him. Right. He actually just uh, he just passed uh, he, my favorite player of all time, Kyle Korver. Mm -hmm. And for all time threes pretty recently. So it was another just dagger to the heart after, you know, beating. But that's not here now. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level. And Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. Did you have Olympic aspirations in soccer? If you're going after the national team, are you definitely going after an Olympic gold at that point? Or how does that whole process work? And is that what you were aiming for? Is that why you're playing for the W? Yeah, 
Um, I would say that was probably a goal and aspiration at a younger age. And when I was coming up through the ranks, um, you would play, you would try out for a state team to play uh, amongst the best players in your state. And then you could be selected for a regional team and then go to a regional camp, which included players from multiple states. And then they had a national team pool. Um, I made it to that regional level, never made it to the national level as a youth. And so I think by the time I got to college, my eyes weren't so much set on that as a as an end goal as much as they were just competing at the collegiate level and, and professionally at that time. And particularly, I was a goalkeeper. So every roster only carries one or two, which has some unique challenges as well. But um, yeah, as a, as a young player, I think everyone aspires to compete on the national team and the U.S. women's national soccer team. I mean, dating all the way back to Michelle Akers and Mia Hamm, they really set the groundwork for female athletes in our country in a major way. So absolutely, that was something I aspired to, but maybe not within my reach. Yeah, the sustained success of the U.S. women's soccer team is just incredible, right? I mean, yeah. you see, like, they're competing every year, and it's it's great to see. And and I, I mean, personally, right, I think I watched the Women's World Cup, and I didn't watch the men's well, we didn't in the last cycle. So yeah, you, you, yeah. that's why. <laughs> another another, Makes really, sense. another really Sorry. rough spot for me. I don't but... want to stab a knife in Tim. So um, <laughs> I have a buddy that um, is, we, I grew up playing soccer as well through, okay. from when I was three all the way through. And uh, he also played, and then he got an offer in the men's league that's similar to like the WSL or- Yeah, you know, like, the USL probably yeah, at yeah. the time. And it was like for no money. And he was like, I'm not gonna have my mom drive me to pro soccer practice. But we stayed watching the team where we, he was like, I'm going to save $25 a week for the next four years. And then I'll pay to go to Russia to watch the world cup. And then we were in Chicago watching them. All they had to do was tie to qualify and just didn't. Heartbreaking. Oh man. On the other side, the women's team has been incredible and they're still, they're stacked right now, getting ready to, to run it, run it back again. Mm -hmm. So that's been, the men are coming around. They just had, I do follow men's soccer still. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's some promise coming up now, but for a while there, it was, it was, it was a bit embarrassing. Well, there's a guy, I think he's playing, uh, sorry, I'm going to get completely sidetracked here. Maybe we should just cut this off before we go too far. <laughs> I'm down to talk about soccer as long as you want. Right. But the people here are here to uh, listen and hear about Lindsay. So, uh, <laughs> so when, at, at, so at that point you're, you're in Charlotte and does CrossFit come into play here or do you pick that up later? No, it's actually a little further down the line. So I had met my husband and he was from Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. And so our season had finished and then it was kind of like, okay, what's, what's my next step going to be? I wanted to be in the same location as, as my fiance at the time. It was quickly, um, this relationship was quickly evolving. And so I got a job at a place called Velocity Sports Performance. And it's, I'm trying to think what the closest thing here in Columbus probably would be. Maybe Bo Jackson training facility or D1 up in Pal. Mm -hmm. Probably similar type of environment where you're training pretty high level athletes. And then also I had a place then to train myself. And so I was trying to figure out, am I going to continue playing soccer? Kind of fast track. We got married. I was pregnant with with my daughter, Alexis, who is now 13. And so I was really at a crossroads of, do I keep trying to pursue soccer or something else? So for about, probably right after I had Alexis, um, which she was born in 2009, uh, while I was pregnant, Webb, my husband, got into CrossFit. Actually, it's kind of a funny story, so I will share it. Do you know, are you familiar with the movie 300? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we were watching that and he became a little bit obsessed with how does do this many guys look as jacked and fit 
as they do in this movie. So then he began to research it, stumbled across a gym called Jim Jones, realized that was originally um, the owner of that was associated with Greg Glassman of CrossFit. So then he stumbled on CrossFit. And so he got into CrossFit. I actually, at the time, wasn't sure how I felt about CrossFit. You know, I kind of felt like it was cheating and all of these things because I had grown you know, at least my college experience and even my high school experience with a very traditional strength and conditioning Mm -hmm. program and understanding and methodology. So I actually really struggled with it at first. So I wasn't even willing to do it. And he signed me up for a competition. And so he kind of tapped into just Uh my innate competitor, you know, so I, I, I was a little bit torn, you know, do I turn my back on the idea of competing in something or do I just kind of go all in and see what happens? So that was regionals in 2009 and kind of by the grace of God, I don't even know, I qualified for the game. So that was the first year they had a qualifier Mm -hmm. and I, I qualified for the games coming out of the Texas regional. And then that was my first year at the CrossFit games in 2009. And I finished fifth that year. So wait, 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 do you just, did you, I'm assuming you trained going into that, or did you just show up and qualify? <laughs> I, I I mean, I had been training my whole life, well, right? right? Yeah, but so, you didn't do any like CrossFit no, specific training. No, I didn't. That's wild. I didn't. So after I qualified for the games, there was a moment where I was like, oh no, I don't know how to do a muscle up. I have no idea how to walk on my hands. So you know, a lot of the strength stuff I had been exposed to, mm-hmm. I could run, I could row, I could jump on a box, things like that. And certainly CrossFit, the skill level has just gotten better and better and better and better. So I honestly think I qualified on fitness and athleticism, mm-hmm. um, but I did decently well at the games off of connecting with CrossFit coaches and, you know, fine tuning skills and things like that. Right. No, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, so Josh and I wrestled in college and I actually like, I was really hesitant to do CrossFit as well at first. And I sure. tried it for a little, while. I don't do it anymore, but I enjoyed, like I did it for about three months, I think. Okay. And I enjoyed Probably it. Probably still I was doing pays it. for it though. Mike's favorite thing is to sign up for the most expensive thing in the city. <laughs> yeah. Try it once and then pay for it for three and a half years. And then forget that I'm paying the monthly payment. And I've all of a sudden I go look at my credit card bill. I'm like, oh man. I've actually thought about making a business just based on Mike's persona and hoping there's more in the market. I'm sure there is. I'm yeah. sure there there's is. There's plenty of us out there, you know, and uh, this is your... This is your reminder to go check your monthly credit card statements and figure out if there's something you're paying for that you don't know about. So if you're out there listening, double check. Trust me, it's worth it. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. So you get to the CrossFit Games and then how does that whole play out? Like, did you, I'm assuming at the regional, they give you a set of events. I don't know a whole lot about how CrossFit works, but sure. and you were able to successfully do all those without having any confusion. You have to ask like the, the uh, referee or anything like, Hey, how do I do this? Which <laughs> probably would have been an interesting scenario when you get to the games. Though, is it the same thing or is it a little bit different? They will give you a debriefing. They'll walk you through exactly what the expectations are for each movement. And then my husband had been very involved. So obviously he was able to help me also. But I remember the first event was a row. So you rode a certain distance and then it was a clean and jerk. So I was very Mm -hmm. familiar with a clean and jerk, right? So, and I think my confidence throughout the weekend grew as well. 
And then what I did was there was a gym out of Austin, Texas called CrossFit Central. So after the regional, I actually kind of latched onto them and then started driving from Houston to Austin on the weekends because they had also had some individuals that had qualified. Mm -hmm. And so then they kind of became my team. So my experience, I was much more comfortable by the time I got to the CrossFit Games and um, was exposed to things. But I mean, even in that setting, I remember two really difficult things for me. I mean, I'm 5'11", 155 pounds. I'm not a small individual. So things like muscle-ups and handstand push-ups, man, I, they were hard. You know, I, I really had to grind through those, those events. But um, yeah, just through their explanation and um, kind of guidance and then the support of that team in Austin, I think that was a huge catalyst to help me succeed at that level. How many years did you do that? Was it just the one year or did you keep it up with it? Yeah. So I competed at the games in nine, 10, 11, and 12. And then in 13, I missed qualifying by one spot. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Who was, uh, who was the, uh, like, cause I, I remember I, I never did CrossFit, but I had Olympic lifted. So I appreciated it because it brought some light to the sport that nobody understood. You know, yeah, absolutely. The, the snatch and the clean and jerk just sounded like bad words. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so watching the girls come out of, uh, Iceland was like a big, a big mm-hmm. thing. And I know there's obviously a ton of the U S who were the big names when you were, um, when you were competing, like who was winning and stuff of like that. You said you finished fifth the first year, right? Yeah. That's impressive. Like you would be getting endorsements and stuff these days, right? Like yeah, and actually, crazy. so Rogue and Reebok came nice. on, and um, I was actually one of the earliest athletes to sign with Reebok at the time. Nice. But Annie Thor's daughter, so she yeah. was one that I competed with, and she was very young at the time, I think 19, mm. and she actually got disqualified because... I think there was, there was some movement that she couldn't do. I can't even remember what it was now looking back. Um, So she was very much up and coming. Actually, Katrin, who's done very well recently in my last year out, I think I finished maybe 21st that year and she finished 25th. So she was very much Mm -hmm. up and coming. So a lot of, a lot of the names, you know, most of the, of the female athletes that are probably in their late twenties approaching 30 now, were kind of the young guns yeah. whenever whenever I was finishing up. I remember when it got presented to me, it was basically like this guy, Rich Froning, just wins. So like everybody was fighting for second. Yeah. And then there was there was more of a like competitive on the on the girl side. So yeah. I was curious and if Rich, there was somebody back then that was like, you know, as dominant as he was. There wasn't quite yet. Not not at that point. And Rich, um, his first year, I believe was two thousand ten, which was my second year. And okay. I think that was the year that Graham Holmberg also from Columbus mm-hmm. actually won. And, um, and then, yeah, I got to know them really well. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so to have been in the sport with, with those athletes that, mm-hmm. you know, other people even know their names is, is pretty neat. Hey everybody. We're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, one Columbus. You know, it really couldn't be cooler to have a sponsor and a partner like One Columbus. They are directly in alignment with everything we stand for and everything we're looking to promote here at Conquering Columbus. I mean, they just want to bring the most competitive companies to the area and make everything about the city and the region just one of the greatest places to live in the United States and in the world for that matter. Yeah, they're like the ultimate Columbus hype man. They're trying to bring new businesses here, show them what our strengths are, but also address some of the weaknesses and say, like, this is how we could get better. So for us, we're excited to help promote their goal and help tell the story with them on board. Absolutely. And if you guys want to learn more about One Columbus, check them out at columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. So when do you make your way to Columbus? 
We moved to Columbus in, I believe it was January of 2012. My husband, Webb, got to know Bill and Katie Henniger with mm-hmm. Rogue Fitness very well. So obviously, um, they are incredibly an incredible company, you know, out of Columbus, Ohio now and booming in a major way. And it's just been so awesome to see their growth. But they asked him to come on as their chief marketing officer. And... I was really torn because at this point, I also had landed a teaching job and was an assistant AD at a school in Texas. I had found that education and at that time I was teaching PE. So I had my summers off like it was just working really well with my training schedule. So I actually was a little bit devastated to leave because I also loved the school I was at. But I'm from the Midwest. I also knew that I never want to go back to Indiana. (laughs) I'm from Indiana and so I had lived in Chicago, went to school in Chicago. So I always figured if we ended up back in the Midwest, it'd be in Chicago. Uh, so it kind of surprised me that we landed in Columbus. But I often tell people I think Columbus is kind of the best kept secret in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. It has served us really well, and, and we love it here. Um, and my husband has, has since moved on from Rogue, but um, is kind of doing his own thing now and has been really successful. And obviously, Wellington's been a great fit for me. So um, that was kind of the transition. Actually, when I first landed in Columbus, I was was the athletic director at Columbus School for Girls for mm-hmm. a short period of time before moving over to Wellington. Talk about being the COO at a school during COVID and how you've responded and adapt and what you think the future looks like over the next you know several months or the close of 2021. Yeah, that's a great question. So my role as chief operating officer, and it's a little bit interesting because sometimes I get, you know, I'll mention that that's my role and then it's as a school and people are a little bit perplexed. They go, schools have that role, you know, and I think um, independent schools are a little bit unique in mm-hmm. that we're, we're, we're hitting on a lot of cylinders at the same time. Obviously, COVID has brought some unique challenges, right? And I won't even use the word unprecedented just because I think <laughs> it's been uh, yeah. overplayed. But just some unique challenges that I think some of us could have never even imagined. I also, our school has a COVID task force that communicates with our board and our head of school to make decisions on things. We made a decision early on to be in school full time. And I think part of the benefit of a school our size is we've been able to do that with six feet spacing and masks. And I think for a lot of schools, just the six feet alone hasn't allowed them to have their entire student body in the building. But fortunately, we had the space to make that happen. But there are some unique things that have come up um, as far as quarantines and tracking that and cases. And there were things that were really fearful for people early on, such as surface contact and touching things. So we're trying to figure out how do we get everything wiped down 15 times a day? And then we realized, oh, maybe it's not that, you know, it's just people being in the same room. And so how do we you know, look at our air filtration and and things of that nature. But really, I think, you know, part of the reason that we've been able to to be in school and to stay in school and show up every day with a smile on our face and good attitude is just a, a mindset that this year is going to be different than any other. It's going to be different from the kids. It's going to be different for the teachers. It's going to be different in sports. It's going to be different in theater, you know, and just understanding that you can't compare this year or your experience this year to any other year. It's unique and different in so many ways, but that doesn't mean that it can't be enriching and it can't be special and unique and something that people remember fondly because they came together and, and uh, decided to have a good attitude and overcome. 
And, and to your question, I do think there's some things that are here to stay in a positive way. So the ability for kids to learn from home while their class is in session. So we, for example, have um, cameras and TVs that are televising home what's going on in the classroom. And that's a really unique thing that I think some schools will find ways to integrate the at home and in school learning experience probably forever, you know, which I don't, I'm sure there were colleges doing it, but I don't think many high schools were. Mm-hmm. The fact that pretty much every high school event in the country is live streamed right now, yeah. and even a lot mm-hmm. of middle school, I don't think that's something that's going away. I actually think there are probably grandparents and aunts and uncles yeah. all over the country that are really appreciating that right now. So I do think that there's some interesting things and experiences that have been tweaked and altered that that might be here to stay. Hey, everybody. We're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, Hybeck. It's actually just me and Tim in the booth because, well, Josh is on his way over to the restaurant right now. So unluckily for us, we don't get any special treatment. I don't think he's bringing us back a pizza or anything. I don't think so. I'm a little jealous. We love Hybeck. I mean, I go there all the time. Their hot honey pizza they got going right now. Yep. That's what I was going to say. As soon as we had him on the episode, I called in before they even left and ordered it and picked it up on the way out. And it was the best we're talking about the restaurant, but High Bank's a lot more than just a restaurant. They distill whiskey and gin and vodka. They've got all kinds of cool stuff. I mean, they brought in a couple of different options for us to try recently, and I really like this Midnight Cask. It's a mixture, I think, of whiskey along with a port wine, and it kind of tastes like a Manhattan, but it's like double the strength. If you haven't listened to the episode yet, listen to the episode. I mean, the story behind the organization is great too. So yeah, it's a bunch of local entrepreneurs that just have a passion for making good food and great drinks. They just launched a thing called the Whiskey Society too, which I joined. And if you really like booze, it's worth checking out. It pays for itself just in the entry fee. And then you'll get cards for drinks every month. They put on events right now. They're on Zoom, but teach you how to make drinks, tell you what to use, why you use those things. It's definitely for the whiskey enthusiast. I've enjoyed my membership so far. That's for sure. So if you guys like High Bank, if you're looking for a restaurant, somewhere to watch the game. If you're looking to put in an order for a pickup, check out High Bank, man. Their food's great. They're great people. Yeah. And we love their drinks. And get the hot honey pizza. Get the hot honey pizza. I All promise right. you will love it. All right. Now back to the show. What about personal goals for the future? Are there certain things that you're really excited about, whether that's things that once COVID ends or, or even within the realm of, of what we're recovering from right now? Personal within my own life or personal within my career and as it relates to Wellington? I think looking at both attributes. I mean, whether that's something that that you're personally motivated on and focused on or whether it's with the school. So I guess I'll start with just myself personally. Um, So I think that even through, you know, and I I think even back to the quarantine and my family and our personal life and, and how we were handling some things. So Um, one thing that became really important to me each and every day was making sure that I was taking care of myself like mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. So I wear an Apple watch. And so it kind of became like comical, but I was like, close the rings every day, you know? Mm -hmm. And if I want the the rings weren't closed by seven or 8 PM, like I was like, okay, I got to get out and move. And I would kind of pull my kids along with me to do the same. So um, I think continuing that just like a, a lifelong commitment to to whatever adversity, you know, is thrown my way, making sure that that remains a priority and not getting bogged down or stressed out by things I can't control. 
Um, so I think that's really important. And I also, and it's a little bit of a sidebar, I don't want to get it too much on a soapbox, but you know, it, it has been a hard year in a lot of ways for a lot of people, but I also have the mindset, if you haven't lost someone you've loved or you haven't lost your job, if this is the hardest thing you've been through, then you've had a pretty fortunate life, mm-hmm. really, you know? And so just keeping that in perspective on the gray days in February mm-hmm. when we haven't gone to dinner with our friends in months, you know, yeah. is that really that big of a deal? So so I guess that would be one one thing. And then as far as it relates to Wellington, you know, we're in the middle of a campaign right now to build a new wing. So that's really exciting. Just taking on the role of CEO uh, has stretched and grown me in new ways. Um, when our head of school came to me and, and he started talking to me about my strengths and some things he felt like I brought to the table and ways he wanted to grow Beam. I'll be honest, um, despite having got my MBA, which feels like it was some time ago now, the thought of overseeing our business office and the finance department and our facilities, our IT department, some of those things were a little bit overwhelming. So for me, it wasn't as much, how do I, how do I get all of that knowledge? It was, how do I lead in such a way to empower the people in those roles to grow and expand me so that I can support them? I don't have to know every single thing that everyone in those areas know, but I do need to know how to motivate and lead them so that they can do their job successfully. And along the way, I'm going to gain knowledge and understanding so that I can support them in the ways I need to. So that was, it was a little bit intimidating, a little bit scary, I'll be honest, but I've never been one to to back down from a challenge. So it's been a, a little bit of a an exciting ride and a stressful ride at times, but one that I've certainly enjoyed. So something I find myself doing more and more often lately is thinking back along of like the best coaches I've had throughout my career and thinking like, you know, what can I learn from that person? Or like, so for me, right, I lead a sales team here at FMX, but I'm constantly thinking about like, Hey man, what were the things Tom did that really stood out to me that, that motivated people and, and teams and like trying to, trying to reference back and learn from my coaches now. It's just funny, you know, going backwards and looking back and thinking, well, they were a really good coach. What made them a really good coach and how can I apply that to, to what I'm doing now? Do you ever find yourself doing that? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because probably when you're competing or wrestling for mm-hmm. that coach, you didn't even really pay attention to what those right. intangible things were, right? You just appreciated and respected them and didn't give it much more thought. And absolutely, and, and I can think there's one individual that I actually worked for previously and, and one skill that they had that I realized early that they were so much better than than me was their ability to listen mm-hmm. and and not get defensive and not push blame and if they felt like they were wrong. So I think absolutely I can, you know, looking back on coaches, bosses, all different types of people that I've interacted with. But that for me, particularly in transitioning to this new role was huge. Probably need to listen more, talk less. I think that's a line in a a movie. A movie and maybe several <laughs> books on leadership. Um, but Lindsay, it's been great talking to you. I think that, uh, you know, as we kind of getting to know you here, it's been been clear that obviously you tackle everything in your life with a kind of a determination to be successful. I think that's a good pivot to uh, what is our last question of the show here. It's uh, the theme on conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? 
Yeah. So whenever I hear the word uncomfortable, I think back to, and this was a phrase, and I'm not even sure where I first picked up on it, but I know when I was competing in CrossFit, it was something I often thought about was getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. So can you put yourselves in uncomfortable situations enough that uncomfortable actually feels safe or normal in some ways? So I, I really like that statement because I think to grow as an individual, to grow as an athlete, to grow as a parent, to grow as a boss, whatever your role may be, you are going to face uncomfortable situations. But if you do not shy away from them and you tackle them and you're not always going to get it right, you know, I can think of plenty of times that I've tackled an uncomfortable situation and got it wrong. But I, I think the willingness to tackle something uncomfortable. And then when you're faced with that situation again, uh, hopefully you, you do it a little better. Perfect. Well, Lindsay, uh, it's been great talking to you. Really appreciate you taking the time to share your story and talk with us here on the show today. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. And Conquerors, thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. That was Lindsay Smith, the COO at the Wellington School and former CrossFit Games competitor. If you like that interview, you want to hear more just like that one, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're listening on right now. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah.